Welcome to Street Success. Today we're going to talk about the cruel reality facing retail property owners. Michael, you want to get us started? Dad, retail is going to be in the toilet. Who goes to a mall anymore? Has anyone ever asked you, hey Sam, let's go to a mall, let's go shopping? 20 years ago. Well, not anymore, and no one's asked me. Why do I have to go to a strip mall or any type of shopping center when I'm one click away from getting what I want? Mm -hmm. If I want a pair of shoes, Amazon.com, boom, there it is. And my generation, we don't really crave those experiences anymore. We don't need a social interaction in a you know shopping center, whatever it is. Wait a minute. When I was your age, going to the mall was a social event. That's how we met our girlfriends. Speak for yourself, right? Well, it's true. We spent all summer working out, getting a tan, wearing our tank tops, so that we could go show off. What are you going to do? Show off your well-built body on Zoom? You know what? I might have. We might have to. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> But I agree with you, Michael. Retail is in the toilet. And unfortunately, the cruel reality is that through no fault of their own, there were two parts of this. There was pre-pandemic problems and uh, post-pandemic problems. So let's see where we are with retail properties now and what will happen. And will there be an opportunity to purchase these properties at bargain basement prices? So let's look at what happened pre-pandemic. Okay, somebody had a three, uh, three million dollar shopping center with, um, let's say, um, three restaurant tenants, two thousand square foot each, and they were paying thirty five dollars a month, excuse me, a foot rent. So the three tenants, triple net, were paying two hundred and ten thousand dollars a year, and life was good. the The owner got a seventy five twenty five, you know, seventy five percent mortgage. And he made, you know, his uh, 8 to 10% cash-on-cash cash return, and he was amortizing the mortgage. Everything was really good. Yes, they were faced with uh, the retail problems that are coming up with technology, and they also were faced with other uh, problems, but life was good. Now, pandemic hit. It hit in March, and it was in a state of chaos. Everything was chaos. So look what, you know what happened. We talked about what happened during the pandemic. People, tenants just stopped paying rent, right? Yep, no one's paying anything. Right. And you went through it with me. You saw our tenants calling up and saying, I want to renegotiate my lease. Yep. And I want lower rent. And I want this. And I want this. Well, how about paying your rent? Well, I can't pay my rent. So what we did was, you know, we try to make deals with tenants to help them. We understood. So let's say you had a small, you know, pizza store. You know, after three to six months, this guy could owe, owe about $60,000 in, in back rent, which you knew you're never going to get, right? So you started making deals. You started saying, okay, pay half rent. We have to pay the operating expenses and the debt service. So let's look at in summary of where the owner was during the pandemic. His tenants stopped paying, or you made a deal where they started get, paying half rent and their cam. The owner said, I'm not getting any rent, but I still have to pay my debt service. So he called the bank. Bank said, okay, we'll give you a deferral of interest in principal or one or the other, but it's not a gift. You got to pay it back. While the uh, property was not generating any income, the owner still had to pay the expenses. So he had to loan money to the property. Then the tenants were calling up and that $35 a foot was renegotiated to maybe $25 a foot. Or, or it this is what was happening. 
by doing that, the value of the shopping center, right, because you have lower NOI, went into the toilet. Right. In fact, let's say he had a $2 million mortgage on the cent. The bank had a $2 million mortgage. It went down so much that the value of the shopping center now might be less than the mortgage. So the owner is now faced with accrued, uh, could be hundreds of thousands of dollars of accrued rent that he might not get, loans that he had to put in, plus loans he owed to the bank, plus the value of his shopping center going like into the toilet. So the question is, how do you, what do you do? You stop the bleeding, what do you do? Well, you know, in my opinion, this is gonna lead to an avalanche of foreclosures. And, you know, you're looking around at your property and you say, you know, where's the, where's the upside here? Right. Why am I throwing good money after bad? And it's, it's a really hard thing. You know, the tenants got some PPP money. Yes. And they started paying half the rent. Some people try to catch up. And then what happened, like one of our shopping centers with the three tenants, one tenant went out of business. So now, coupled with that, we had to fund his portion. No rent, but we still had to pay his share of the common area expenses, the taxes, and the real and the uh, insurance. Unbelievable. Right. And to kick you when you're down, we weren't even allowed to, uh, to uh, get them out. You, the court said there's a freeze. We could, a moratorium. You're not allowed to throw out a tenant. A lot of tenants took advantage. Now, we have tenants that were good tenants for 15, 20 years, which you know we helped. And I always, even if we have to forgive a little, I, I made deals with the tenants, pay us half rent or pay us this, we'll forgive the accruals. They say we're good tenants. This wasn't their fault. However, as you know, because you saw me throw a few phones, okay, yeah. when a lot of them call up, I'm a broker, I represent so-and-so, and we want to renegotiate our lease, and we want to do this, 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 and this, you know, I basically hung up on them. And those are the people that I'm going to evict. Right. So the question is, the owner is faced with, he's, the bleeding continues, and let's look at something else. Let's look at the vacant tenant. The vacant tenant that went out of business you know how much it cost for a landlord to relet that exp that space? How much? Well, you tell me. You're going to have you got to pay a broker. Could take three to six months or more to get a tenant. The new tenant, remember, it's a tenant's world. They want the earth, the moon, and the stars in, in exchange for the tenancy. And the tenant's going to want a much pay a much lower rent. They're going to want TI tenant improvement. Allowances that could be fifty thousand dollars for a small store or more. They're going to want um, clauses of termination if there's another COVID episode. They're not going to be willing to give you a personal guarantee, right? Tenants' world, which is going to hurt the credit worthiness of the center, and that's going to cause a higher cap rate or a, a lower value. And you know, it's just you got to look at it and say, you know. What do they say? You know, where's the meat? Right. You know, what, the beef? what am I doing? Where's the beef? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. You know, where am I? Where am I going? You know, how do I get out of this? So I've identified uh, what I call the unpleasant realities, and I've identified seven different unpleasant realities that the owner has to decide on what to do. So let's go through them, okay? Okay. First one is, what does he do to stop the bleeding? That's the million dollar question. Okay. 
Well, the first one is to sell the property at a substantial loss, lose his entire investment, lose all his loans, but stop the bleeding, move on with life. What do you think about that? I think it's something people are going to have to consider, and I think that they're going to ultimately do. I mean, what do you think? Well, I, I think it's a it's an interesting thing, but the, to sell it, you have to make sure that there's enough money that you can pay off your obligations. And remember, if the if the mortgage is non-recourse, which means you're not personally liable, that would you know be viable. But if you're personally liable, you know, someone could come after you personally for the differential. So you have to see if I could sell this and go on with my life. It's a big thing. That yeah, does, yeah. yeah. Second thing is to, you know, I'm, I'm not going down with this ship. So I'm going to continue to throw good money after bad. I'm going to fund the shortfalls, ride this storm out, try to lease the vacant space. And you really have to do a cost-benefit analysis to see what you believe the future is going to be versus how much it's going to cost to carry and how much additional capital that you're going to need. Third one is to refinance the mortgage, even if it means putting more money in, because no bank is going to lend you money when you have a vacant shopping center right. or a lower rent. Okay? Yeah. And why throw good money after bad? And also, they're going to require a personal guarantee, they're going to want to, you know, the mortgage of, think about it, the bank now owns a, a, a building that was uh, not even worth their mortgage. So I don't think that's a viable option. It's opinion. unlikely. Yeah, it's unlikely. Now, here's an interesting one that was done in the past. Try and make a deal with the lender for a lower interest rate, no amortization, and a significant uh, forgiveness of the debt. What do you think about that? I mean, it just sounds another one that's tough, t tough pill to swallow. I mean, w w what do you think? Well, who's it a tough pill to swallow for? The bank, right? Yes. Okay. So your credit rating will go into the toilet. toilet. Yeah, I was yeah. Say, yeah. But many, many people back when, you know, in the 90s and then the early 2000s when, when everything was in the toilet and real estate, people definitely went back to the bank and got favorable restructurings. Uh, a friend of ours, I'm not mentioning his name, I, he has a small office building in Great Neck, and I asked him, I said, you know, how's your building doing? And I remember him saying, first time around or second. Okay? <laughs> it's a true story. I, I like yeah, that. Yeah. And a successful forgiveness of the debt will really depend on each bank's financial position, how many foreclosures they have, what the bank examiners are telling them to do. Remember, a foreclosed or an REO, real estate owned, means the bank took it back, doesn't look good to the regulators on the lender's balance sheet. It affects their lending rate, etc. Let's talk about the fifth one. Try and convert the property to another use, like residential. What do you think about that? I like that one a lot, right. but it's subject to zoning. You Absolutely. have to get the approvals. Absolutely. So if you can find a way to get it rezoned, which I think is going to be uh, an opportunity in the future because for the local districts to stare at an eyesore, they're not going to want to do that. So I think that's a viable thing if the zoning permits. That is definitely something to consider. The sixth way is to file bankruptcy. File for bankruptcy, Chapter 11. What do you think of that? Sounds expensive. It is expensive. Um, again, don't have ex much experience in this, but it sounds. I hope you never do. Thank yes, thank you. But um, I've heard of companies and people who do well after bankruptcy. Is that yeah? Possible? You know, okay. some people look at bankruptcy as an opportunity, but.
But bankruptcy or Chapter 11 is supposed to be a plan so you can reorganize your company without the pressure of all the creditors on your back. And then you go back to the court and you present a plan of reorganization. And that's usually a very viable thing. But remember, right now we're looking at a situation where there is no viable real alternative. All you're going to do is tie up the lender by filing bankruptcy. And a lot of people use this as a um, tactic to get to bank, to come to the table and say, oh, let's just get rid of this. Let's make a deal. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. All right, the last one, which I think is the best one, is if you have a non-recourse mortgage, simply say to the bank, look, didn't work out. Give it back to the bank. Accept the loss of your entire investment. Accept the loss of your loans. Get on with life. It happened. Okay? And I think that's the best one. However, let's say you have a personal guarantee. And now the bank says, well, why should we do that? I'll go after your personal assets. So it's good if you have a non-recourse loan. But unfortunately, most uh, retail properties, the lender is going to require a partial or full personal guarantee. Those are the unpleasant options as I see it. Now, you know, I don't see anything else that I could think of except that, can you imagine if this owner had five other properties in the same position Big with trouble. personal guarantees? Big trouble. Yeah, I, you know, when I think of the hotel owners, you multiply this by 10. You know, people who have hotels where they're getting nothing. So now we're going to go to the major question. Will opportunity be knocking at your door? I think that what's going to happen soon is there is going to be an avalanche of foreclosures and the banks are going to be offering these properties at bargain basement prop, uh, prices. Because remember, now the, the property is owned by the bank. Now they're bleeding starts. Right. For the last six months, they had gotten no interest or debt service or, or principal payments on their mortgage from the old owner. They now have their $2 million mortgage, which might be worth a lot less. They're not getting any payments on that mortgage on that, you know, going forward. And they're still bleeding. They got to pay the taxes, right? They got to pay cost of foreclosure, or, or, or even if they didn't foreclose, they got to pay all those expenses. If they try to lease the vacant space, they're going to have to pay the $100,000. They want to stop the bleeding. So the question is, I think it's just going to be so many properties out there. And the question is going to be, what price would you pay that would make this a viable investment? Good idea. Well, yeah. I mean, and what I say is if this property, let's say, has a $2 million mortgage and the bank says, we'll sell it to you for a million five, what would that look like? And it doesn't look like much to me. So remember, that's half the price it was of $3 million, and the mortgage is $2 million. You're going to buy it for $1.5 million. I wouldn't pay more than $1.2 million, $1.3 million for this property. I want at least a 10 to 12% cash-on-cash return because even if I bought it at $1.5 million, let's look at the financing available. You think a bank is going to require give me a 75 loan-to-value mortgage? What do you think? No. No freaking way. 
they're going to say, I want a personal guarantee. I'm going to charge you a little higher interest rate. I want 40 or 50% cash down. I want three to six months interest reserve. And I want you to reserve money in escrow for a repair escrow and for a releasing escrow. You're going to have no cash on cash return. So the question is, each individual purchaser, prospective purchaser, has to look at the future. And it's all going to be what they believe. You know, are they going to believe, for instance, that rents are going to go up? Right. Yeah. Maybe there's a future. Are they going to believe that the two existing tenants who have only two or three years remaining on their leases are going to renew? You're going to have to look at what type of tenants you have. How are they doing? You know, you know, really. I mean, if you have a guy who's a marginal guy, chances are he's not going to survive. Yeah, he's and not. Then you gotta, right, and then you got to spend another hundred to two hundred thousand dollars with the cost of re uh, letting the space, right, reconfiguring it, maybe, whatever it may be. Absolutely right. Yeah. Will cap rates increase or decrease? Will interest rates increase or decrease? You know, these are questions. Will lenders be more inclined to lend to retail properties? Because instead of $40 a foot or $35 a foot, the rent is now $25 a foot. So maybe things will settle down. And even if things continue to be bad because of a lot of different factors, you know what? At $25 a foot, I can make it. And then the hope is things will settle down and people will then uh, go back to the restaurants. And over time, you can increase the rents. So that's an individual thing. The thing I want to leave us at viewers within you, in 1993, when the banks, you know, everything was in the toilet, basically, I bought, for instance, my first building, 110, 112 St. Mark's Place, okay, for $575,000. Now, the mortgage was literally almost $2 million. So we bought it for $575,000. Today, that building's worth $15 million. Wow. And I'm going to give you a better one that you're involved with because you are you help run it. Yay. We bought a 15-building <laughs> uh, uh, package portfolio in Texas in 2010. We paid $12 million. Do you know what that property sold for? We bought it in foreclosure five years prior. $56 million. Wow. Yeah. You know what that property's worth now, about $60 million, right? Yep. That's okay. That's, yeah. that's how you make money in real estate when nobody wants it, okay? So we're going to leave you with that. So I hope you learned something today. I think Michael did. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Be well, be safe, and see you. <laughs>